Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. Well, hello and welcome to the Now Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. And today, you know, we have Nicole Ward and Dr. Dina. Welcome, Nicole and Dr. Dina to the podcast. Thank you. So glad yeah, to be here. So let's, let's just jump right in, you know, and, and I stole some stuff from you guys. You know, you, you, know, you guys were so profound the last time we met. <laughs> like, I'm going to borrow <laughs> a little bit from them and learn a little bit. So that's how we grow, right? right. Yes, so, it's, it's all about sharing. Yes, yes. Sharing is caring or caring is sharing. <laughs> um, so let's talk about stuff that just makes you go, oh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Dave, when you had like the gesture there, the, the first thing I thought of was music um, uh-huh. because that's that's top of mind right now. Being able to go back and see live music that that really makes me say, "Oh yeah!" Along with being able to share that experience with my husband and um, my bonus kids, and just being able to just be back in that environment, that is definitely an "oh yeah" uh, moment. And had one a couple of weeks ago. So. Nice. Yes. And actually, I feel like that is a love that Nicole and I share and one of our connecting points. And so it's funny because when I saw it, I also immediately thought of music. And I also have this like synergy when it comes to just being able to see musicians that I love and respect live. Um, And I also was thinking about I work with youth a lot. And so I also was thinking about just youth and the power of youth voices and how much I learn um, from youth um, so much. And so that also is something that gets my spirit on fire and makes me say, oh, yeah. That's so beautiful. So when you're in a good space, you know, in that good space where you're at home or you're on a walk, you know, what's your favorite music or song? I love that because I'm like, it, that is such yeah. a hard question, Dr. Dave, because uh, as Nicole and I've shared, we are, we love music. However, I will say that I'm from the Bay Area and when I'm like really feeling it and I'm really in a good mood, I probably will go for some hypey Bay Area music and that will feed my soul in the moment. But I also love Jill Scott. <laughs> I mm. love Eric too. They also fill my soul. So variety. Uh, yeah, Dr. Dave, there's so, there's so many playlists on my, um, on my phone that have these different ones, but the one that came to mind is, is decades. So when I'm just really in like that space, I play my decades playlist, which has like nineties, the golden era of hip hop, um, on it. It has some seventies funk and soul. So it's very eclectic, but being able to swim through the decades is definitely my, my happy music place. Oh, that's so cool. I I was just thinking about Bob Marley, you know, um, it went on my my happy space, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, let's get together and we'll be all right. And one of my favorite songs, you know, Um, but, you know, since, you know, let's do an elevator pitch. Let's let's learn more about who you are and um, what you bring to the table as leaders in your space. I'm going to throw it to you first, Dina. 
yours. Sure. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist here in Oakland, California. And it's interesting because for me, mental health started, uh, my journey started when I entered um, having to have therapy as a young child because of some significant childhood trauma and having a very negative experience um, with the therapist that my family and I needed to see. And so for me, it was like, I need to get in this field. I need to make sure that other black and brown children do not feel the way that I felt with the experience because healing, it was so far from what was occurring. Um, so so yeah, so I feel like since then I was on this path to mental health and I have been able to work with youth for decades at this point. Um, and I also um, have the privilege of um, sharing a business um, with my partner, Connie Chu, where we do work around racial healing um, and other um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work as well. Sure. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist by title. Uh, I like to consider myself a guide and an explorer as we're kind of walking through and disrupting those thoughts and really just diving into being able to ignite coping skills. I have a private practice where I work solely with adult individuals right now, as well as those in relationships in all phases and stages. But I have a background as actually how Dean and I met in uh, working with children and youth and families and really being at one point a pure trauma clinician. So I have all of that in my toolbox that comes with me into the mental health space. And I also do consulting as part of my private practice and working on well-being, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, as well as racial healing. So Dina and I, oddly enough, no longer uh, work at the, an agency together, but have very similar things that we, we've kind of delved into. Yeah, man, with, with your background, I, I'm going to have to pull you into some of the things that I'm doing with uh, DEIBH. I add healing at the end of, of after belonging, mm -hmm. yes. um, I add healing in there. So I think that is such an important context, you Thank know. You. So let's talk about your resilience. What, what what actions do you take to make you resilient? Yeah. Moments to self. Uh, so just being able to do like a quick check-in. Um, so I, I like to just practice what I preach. So the first thing that I do when I open my eyes is I meditate. I pray. I just take a couple of breaths before I even pick up my phone and then just kind of laying there and and checking in to see what I need um, in the day, that that really kind of helps with being able to ground uh, myself in order to tap into that resilience if, if needed. Because, uh, you know, resilience is a skill, so it's not whether or not you're a resilient person, so much as are you able to access that skill in the moment. So just giving myself those moments is, is the very first thing that I do and go back to throughout the day. Yeah, no, I, I love that, Nicole. And I love just thinking about resilience and, and the power of also self-awareness, because mm -hmm. if we're not first self-aware, it's hard for us to then know the things that we need, know the things that um, need to happen um, for us to be able to cope um, and to be resilient. Um, I also think of the power of connection and community. And so I think oftentimes resilience um, is looked at so much as like an individualistic concept and that can be harmful at times because I, I also think 
for some of us, myself, I feel like Nicole is much better than I am at like checking in with self. Sometimes I need people to check in with (laughs) to remind me of some of the things um, that are um, important when it comes to my resiliency um, journey um, and also just trying to stay in the moment as much as mm-hmm. you know I can because there's always a lot that seems to be going on and how do I also check myself so that I'm not losing my center in the actual moment and present today. And you know you, you two of you bring some really great you know context to what resilience really mean but when we start to look at um resilience as a skill that we need in in this world right you know and i I think of the world in this volatility uncertainty complexity Mm -hmm. and ambiguity we call vuca world in a business context but how do you take your skills and and help to make things better for others in this kind of in this world that we live in right the first thing is listening, um, being able to just sit and hold space for wherever a person's at first, because if you just dive in there with, oh, do this, do that, do this. Sure, you know, there's science, there's research behind these things. We know what works, but I don't know what's going to work for you. So I first need to really just be really present and listen and see where the awareness and insight is. And then as I'm listening, the next step is in being able to just highlight. So already highlighting where people might not recognize that resilience is showing up for them. And then looking at, okay, well, what are some other strategies? But that strategy piece comes after of those, those first few steps. And sometimes there's more steps uh, for, for people, but really being able to do that. And, and it's like what Dina said, being able to also tap into that connection because we sometimes think okay well self-awareness that's great but it's like you also need to connect um that's actually one of the five ways to work through our stress response cycle and being able to look at okay well is that where the resilience is kind of frayed a little bit like or is it uh, are we disconnected from others and that's where our resilience isn't showing up so it's being able to tap into those things with a curious observer lens. Um, Sometimes we get really critical of ourselves and, well, how come I'm not resilient? I should be resilient because I've been through all these things. And being able to just look at, okay, well, let's be curious and observe and ask ourselves, you know, what's going on? Why? Like, what's going, what do we need in that moment? And it might not be just holding up to self. It could be, oh, that you've done that too much. Let's connect with some others or let's get outside. Uh, that's something else that might come out. So just really being able to look at those through those lenses. Yeah, I yeah I really appreciate um, what you said, Nicole. Because when I also think about what you know can be supportive, when I think about that curiosity lens, it makes me think about mm-hmm. compassion and just the power of helping to model self-compassion. Because I think sometimes we can be very, very hard on ourselves and beat ourselves up in different ways. And there's so much that is going on that really requires us to give ourselves permission to be compassionate with self. 
you know, I, I mean, if some of us can maybe be compassionate with others and when it comes to ourselves, we, we, we kind of, we kind of might uh, fall short. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, but how do we model that? And I also, you know, just think about again, when thinking of us as experts, that can also be dangerous at times, because mm-hmm. as Nicole said, you know, each of us has our own individual journey. And so how can we also, you know, think about ways that we could fuse, you know, our, our knowledge um, so that everyone knows that they can be an expert with themselves. And so you don't have to be it right now. You don't have to be it right away. I also feel like it's important for me to share my struggle at times and that it's an imperfect journey um, because sometimes there's this sense that, oh, hey, if you're the professional, you know how to do it and you do it right all the time and what is right. Um, So being able to just, again, um, allow permission um, for us to be human um, together and to talk about that humanness being a complex layered experience um, that we're in together. What am I going to do with all this? It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. You know, in, in a modern world, you know, people talk about psychological safety and, you know, in the New York Times, Google, they talk about this, this context or this important way of being. So if you could explain how psychologically safety can impact belonging on, and, and resilience, and, and how it affects those individuals' ability to cope with stress, adversity, and change. Um, g- give us some insights on that. Bring your wisdom. Yeah, I feel like that, um, when I looked at that question, Dr. Dave, there's so many feelings and thoughts that <laughs> come up when I hear psychological safety. And I think part of it is because Nicole and I do have that, you know, kind of experience in the journey that we travel in with um, larger systems um, that are navigating um, some of these concepts. Mm-hmm. And I think about the fact that, you know, at times and, and even, you know, being specific. So in 2020, I feel like there were a lot of different things that were going on in the world around us. There have always been a lot of things going on in the world. But I think in 2020, there was a lot more conversation, maybe attention onto it. And since then, I've heard a lot more folks talk about, you know, wanting to make sure that their work environments are psychologically safe, telling people to show up as their authentic selves. And yet there hasn't been the work done with the system to help to make sure that folks are able to feel held, to able, are able to feel like they can actually show up and be heard, seen, respected. And so to me, I think a lot of it, um, a lot of what needs to happen is for us to slow down and to really know what we're talking about, make sure that we have a common definition and understanding of what being psychologically safe means, because sometimes it can mean different things for different folks. And to also understand that for different identities, what being psychologically safe can also look and feel very different. You know, our our systems aren't created the same. (laughs) Our systems are not, you know, they haven't necessarily done the same um, for every group and there's harm that continues to happen. And so being able to name these things and to talk about different things that need to shift um, is to me really important as well as being able to, again, hear from others what it is that they need to feel psychologically safe. Um, Because again, just saying that it exists or asking folks to show up as their authentic selves 
if they don't feel like they're safe, um, is going to do more harm than good. Yeah, I, I mean, I take out there, Dina, just to echo on your sentiment of being able to have, you know, it's an ever evolving thing. So it's a very dynamic conversation. It's not just kind of this one and done of where it's like, oh, we had a training and now that's it. Uh, really being able to continue that line of communication, that open door. I mean, something as simple as when you are having meetings, just acknowledging like, oh, okay, it might've been, you know, a rough week for some of us. And then, and, and being able to have that acknowledgement in there too, um, without, it, it's hard without that, okay, I have to get it right, because you are going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You, you, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Um, there's a general baseline of being able to be safer and what that means for, for different groups and being able to just, again, listen and make it an ever continual dialogue and being able to shift and, okay, we have to get it right and we got it right this one time and that's the end of it. We don't have to ever revisit it. So just all the things that you, you said, Dana, came up for me as well. That was a great question, Dr. Ongoing, <laughs> ongoing journey. <laughs> ongoing journey, yes. Yes, I like that. You know, the, the continuum of learning and continuum of growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you even a more complex question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, so <laughs> what are some common challenges or obstacles that people face when they're trying to build resilience and a sense of belonging? And I want to know, how do you help people or clients overcome, you know, these barriers that they may run into? That's a good question. I mean, it's different for for everyone. Um, so individuals have their uniqueness, but then organizations do as well. But um, I think one of the most common barriers that I've, this is my personal or professional observation that I've encountered, is just it is that notion of there's something wrong if I'm not already resilient. There's something wrong if I don't belong. You know, how do I get this right? So that dichotomous thinking is, is what it's termed. Of It has to be right or wrong, good or bad. That That's one of the biggest barriers that I've seen because, again, sometimes even when it's just like, okay, I've got it right so to speak, then people don't revisit it and or look at how they grow and change or the notion of, oh, well, I'm just so bad at this that I'm just never going to belong and resilient. I'm not a resilient person at all um, is is those things that get in the way. So the dichotomous thinking on an organizational as well as individual level is one of the, the typical barriers that I uh, that I see. And ways to address it, name it, <laughs> uh, you know, name it. Uh, be able to be aware of it, acknowledge it, accept it, uh, that, and then let's, let's find out which actions we need to take and being able to take these small incremental steps. So if it's like, oh, I'm not a resilient, you know, person or our organization isn't resilient. Oh, okay. And, you know, yes. And how are we going to, to move through that and looking at it, something as small as, all right, well, you know, are you doing individual check-ins? Are you doing team check-ins? Those are just little small steps that you can take instead of trying to take this big leap to, okay, well, now we got it. So, Very, very yeah, true. And I feel like speaking to my spirit, Nicole, when you're talking, <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, I feel like the acknowledgement piece is huge on making sure that 
folks are feeling seen, heard, and understood in terms of their journey. Um, I think, you know, also um, being able to talk about some of the different layers that might be mm -hmm. experienced. And so what might be going on might not be isolated just to that work experience or just mm -hmm. with that experience with that social interaction. There might be other layers that are connected to other things that have gone on, whether you know we think about the larger society, whether we think about that person's personal journey or the journey of folks that were connected to their identity. And so I think even being able to have some of those conversations is really important um, because it also kind of extends the lens so we can go away from feeling like, oh my gosh, is something you know, wrong with me? Or is there something that I'm doing wrong or something that's flawed in me? Um, we're more so looking at what's flawed in the system around me and how does that impact um, some of what's happening and some of what you're feeling is internalized that's probably appropriated. And so I think a lot of that has also been um, important um, in the journey. And I think even being able to have real conversations about what does feel like is it's necessary um, when it comes to you, when it comes to that sense of belonging, because there are some folks that might be in positions or in places or in relationships or in careers where there might need to be some shifts made because that is such an important core piece um, that is needed and necessary. And so even helping to su support and affirm to get them to the place um, that feels right and feels necessary um, for them. You know, it's so good that you, you're, you're doing this contrast between the system and the individual. So in your experience, you know, what role does self-awareness self-compassion play in helping clients develop resilience and this sense of belonging. That is so core, I feel like, to, to all of the, the pieces, because although, you know, we're talking about the individual, we're talking about the collective, we're talking about community, the systems, I think also us being able to check in with self, which has come up a little mm -hmm. earlier, is also so key and so huge because we are important, we are valuable, we have so much to offer um, when it comes to the solution. And so to me, that self-awareness and also being compassionate and giving ourselves permission um, because there are all of these things happening in these systems is also, I think, necessary um, for any part of this journey. So to me, those are like, that's like a foundational piece that that's necessary. Yes, I, I agree, Dina. I mean, that's kind of when people hear the the term marriage and family therapist, they right, they think, oh, it's specific to marriage and family. But what it actually means is that we study systems and how the individual relates to the system. So for you and, and for myself and just for all of us, self-awareness is key to that because you're going to start with you um, and then look at because you're not just isolated in a little bubble to yourself and being able to look at how you are impacted and how you impact um, the system. So that's where self-awareness really is important is just being able to know where you're at in any given moment. There's actually a, a tool called an eco map, which I actually love, where you um, but I have people put themselves in the middle because I want them to center on themselves and it gives a visual too because sometimes it's hard to prioritize ourselves. Uh, and then from there, you draw um, 
arrows and hopefully sometimes they're bi-directional usually they are of you and the different systems so say it's work or family and just think of all the roles that you have maybe sibling you know spouse partner co-worker colleague like all these different roles and you put these arrows and the arrows are going to also show like if it's strong okay it's a thick line if it's kind of frayed, maybe it's dotted. And you're really looking at how you are impacting these different um, systems in your life and how they're impacting you. And that really does kind of help with the self-awareness. But I want to caution, um, too, because I love how much, you know, we're talking about mental health and we're talking about well-being in a, in a whole person context. But just like if you drink too much water, that can be kind of not a great thing, right? Like water is good for us. We're mainly composed of water. But if we drink too much water, we now might have some challenges. We can be overhydrated. Same thing with that self-awareness. So sometimes self-awareness becomes also weaponized of where every little thing is like, oh, I have to process it. I have to process it. And I'm a therapist saying you don't have to process every single thing. You don't. So it can come into your awareness and you might need to be self-aware enough to let that then go um, because you it's just not the time to do that. And that's how you also exercise compassion towards yourself of that. Yes, you are a work in progress. You can be a beautiful masterpiece and still be working on yourself, but it does not have to be that you are now tipped over the stress curve into overwhelm of that, okay, I have to be self-aware. I have to be present in all the moments. Exercising that compassion, just be kind to yourself. And a little trick that we do for that is, how would you speak to a friend? What would you tell your friend? And nine times out of 10, you have a different tone, a different voice, a different viewpoint. So being able to shift that perspective um, by giving yourself some compassion, even as you're exercising that self-awareness. Man, you know, that was a lot. That was a lot. I can't wait to go back and, and listen to this and pull some of these things out so I can apply them to my coaching practice, uh, you know, but that, that's really good stuff to get to that place where we give ourselves a little bit of grace, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the fact that both of you touched on that. Um so if we, if we pull back and we look a little bigger and we're talking about cultural, social, and systemic factors that, you know, may impact a client's resilience and sense of belonging, you know, are there, I know, Nicole, you kind of talked about a tool. So I'm, I'm asking, are there specific interventions or tools that you could utilize to address any of these challenges that impacts resilience and belonging for a client? Sure. So as I mentioned, there's the, the eco map and then there's also, I mean, there's so many tools out there. Uh, there's various card decks that are out there. Dr. Ebony Butler has a really great card deck that is focused, um, is focused on Black women, Black men, teenagers, adolescents. She has various card decks. Those are really helpful. Um, there's another, another book that I recommend, and now the authors are escaping me, but it's called What's Your Story? It's a guided journal, and it delves into questions about you, right? But it also has questions about how you show up in the world, and I really like that um, for clients. Uh, then there's Dr. Or, Kristen Neff, uh, who has done so much work on uh 
self-compassion. So there's compassion card decks, uh, there's watching TED Talks. All of these things are interventions. It's just trying to figure out where you're at because sometimes people are like, oh, well, do you have a worksheet? And I de- it depends upon the person and the organization. Some people are like, oh yeah, I want homework. Others are like, please don't ever give me anything that's even titled homework. So it is just being able to look at the different mediums that are, are out there and how people consume information and being able to, to do those things. Body scans is another thing where you just sit for a minute. doesn't have to be longer. People sometimes think that they have to do these things for 30 minutes. And you just start at the top of your head and notice. So just that act of noticing is giving you some skill set, some compassion too, because you're not trying to fix it. You're just noticing what you you. Let me see if you guys are good. I, let's hear from you, Dr. Dina. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I also just when Nicole was talking, I was thinking about a the presentation presentation that Nicole and her husband did um, that mm. actually also highlighted certain things such as rest. And you know, I also think about just the tools that we have that are like some of our like internal tools um, that are so important. Um, I also was thinking about boundaries as <laughs> something that is also like undervalued at times, but so important um, when we think about just ourselves, when we think about our self-awareness, like what boundaries do I need to also feel supported, feel whole, um, feel resilient. Um, so just thinking about some of the things that might even be um, things that we possess um, within ourselves that we haven't tapped into yet. Um, I also um, have been really encouraged by some of my colleagues that are part of our Black ERG, um, where they've had us do things um, called brag sheets. Um, And, you know, I think for folks, um, especially um, women of color, sometimes we uh, tend to not feel as comfortable um, with acknowledging some of our strengths and our gifts um, as if we are bragging is a bad thing. Um, and us um, that are in groups that have been historically marginalized, we have gifts, we have strengths, and being able to highlight those things and affirm them, I think is super important um, and something we need to do more. That's so beautiful. But what does BRG, it says brag, what does it stand for? Oh, so it's it's literally a brag, like a sheet where you are showing and being able to highlight your um, things that you you bring to whatever environment. So your ability to brag on yourself. Oh, okay. I, I need a sheet like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess brag on myself. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so finally, you know, what words of encouragement would you like to gift the listeners with today? Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, just remembering um, how much exists within us that might not be tapped into. And that does not mean that you're flawed. That does not mean that you have to know or do it all. Um, But being able to provide yourself with an opportunity and permission to let some of those things come to fruition um, as it feels right. And also to be able to, again, continue to give yourself self-compassion 
when the times are hard, because there are hard times that come to all of us and we do need to give ourselves grace. You deserve it. We deserve it. There's a heck of a lot going on in this world around us and continue to give yourself permission. Yeah, I would say um, something that we say over and over again is honor your wholeness. And even when you feel like you might be broken into uh, a million pieces, look at it as, as more of a disconnect. You are still whole. And in ways to honor that is just being able to, again, check in with self. And I know that this gets said over and over again to where sometimes people are like, oh my goodness, I don't want to hear it anymore. But really sit with that you are enough um, because there's so many things that are pulling on or stories that were told in any number of spaces to you that somehow you started to believe uh, and recognizing that our thoughts aren't facts, they're not directives. And for you to know that you own that pen and this is your story. So if, you know, it's not written for you being able to really write it for yourself. And um, again, just, remembering that you no matter what you know you you are enough and you are whole wow thank you nicole thank you dr dina um and so in closing i would say thank you for listening to the knowledge show with dr dave podcast um this has been a real treat for me um to sit here and learn so much from you know these two esteemed you know leaders in their own space and um you know you could listen to our podcasts and spotify and um, on all of the popular streaming uh, services that we have out there. So again, thank you so much for honoring us by showing up and sharing your knowledge and your gifts. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Dave. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share, no share with Dr. Dave.